Welcome home. There's always room for one more. How are you guys doing this morning? I got a big thumbs up over there. Ronnie said good. Everybody else, good morning. Welcome. Glad you're joining us. Uh, my name is Pastor Michael. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. You are? My name is Jarrett Morgan, and I am a school principal. Yeah, and you pulled out like your deep teacher voice. Yes. In that, yeah. Well, it was like, I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how it's going to sound over this <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Glad you all are here today, whether you're watching online or in, per or in person. We are in the middle of a series on Steps to Christ, and today we're looking at chapters 3 and four. Last week, Kelvin and Anthony took us into uh, the, the sinner's need of Christ. And it was a hard chapter. I don't know about you, those of you that are here, maybe you listen back on the podcast, you watch online. It really kind of cut into uh, the core of who I am and like who I am as a human and just kind of like left me with a little bit of like, huh, there's, there's some more work to do. And then Jared and I were talking yesterday and we got into the, to these chapters. Tell me, what was, what was your reaction last week and then, and then this week? So before I even get into that, first of all, that praise team. Yeah. Um, they did that well. was amazing. They did well. Second did of well. all, happy first Father's Day weekend. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Congratulations on that. And third, when Emily Weaver contacted me and said, hey, will you be a part of a conversation? I was like, I got you, Emily. I'd be happy to. And then I saw the chapters that we were going to be talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, Michael, that, that's, that's what you signed me up for. But as I did the work and you're looking yeah. at this, I was yeah. like, these are conversations that need to be had. Yes. Yeah. I think the Holy Spirit signed you up for it. If I, I'm going to be frank, we can put those chapters up on the screen. I think these are the chapters that we're looking at today. Uh, if you want to scan the QR code on the bottom right, uh, you can get linked to Steps to Christ right there on your phone. You can turn your device on and get there. So chapters three and four is what we're going to be referencing today. And those of you that are maybe connected with our social media, saw us toss this, this little nice box around. Uh, this is going to be uh, a box that's going to be helping us in our conversation today. What we wanted to do uh, is break the line between perhaps presenters and the congregation. Uh, and so this enables you to participate today uh, in the message. So we'll uh, be asking some questions today and getting some feedback from some people on some things. We can toss it around the room. So the first question that we want to get to, and you could probably start tossing it if you want, like it's actually, it, it's tossable. Okay. The first question that we want to dive into is what is the difference between repentance and confession? That's what we're looking at today. Sometimes these words are used synonymously, but we want to hear from you to start our conversation today. We're going to start with a very easy question. What is the difference between repentance and confession. I think Zandri's ready to receive it if you want to, to Zandri. And then Zandri, our stage manager, will help. Oh, a little long. Just an expensive mic. And okay, yeah, that we'll, we'll work on that today. Somebody want to respond? You raise your hand. We'll pass this to you. It's a nice cushion mic. You just hold it in front of you and allows everybody to, to hear. Somebody, a brave soul. Nobody? Okay, while you're thinking about it, Jared, why don't you take a crack at it? What's, what's the difference between <laughs> repentance and confession? That's a tough question. So as you're reading these two chapters, the repentance chapter, wait a minute, before I get any further, everybody got that, everybody went to the link, I'm looking out there, everybody joining. Good. I oh, see I see. Yeah. Good, good, good. So the repentance chapter was mm -hmm. literally like seven or eight pages. Yes. And confession was one or two pages. Yeah. So you had to put some work into the repentance chapter. Yeah. So when you talk about repentance, 
<laughs> At first, I thought that repentance was kind of this process that I needed to go work on individually. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because that's my kind of my approach to everything. I could fix this by putting in more work. Mm -hmm. I can show up more. Mm -hmm. I can allocate more resources. I can come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. And as I read through the chapter, that didn't seem to be the actual process. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> so repentance appeared to me to be literally taking myself closer to the light. Hmm. Like that was step one. Okay. Like I need to go closer to the source of where the good stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued by that. Um, it seemed to be just a 180 of the direction of wherever I was already planning to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ready. There we go. Caesar. Yeah. Toss it over. Yeah. And just hold it up in front of you. Kind of like, well, yeah, just like that. Like that. Okay. So, oh, it's Mike. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like the difference between repentance and confession, there's, there could be like a connection, I guess, more than a difference. So com uh, confession is like acknowledging maybe a flaw that you did or something you did correctly. And, but in this case, more incorrectly. And then repentance is like where emotions and sincereness comes into it and like trying to uh, fix or make a resolution to that uh, flaw that you did or sin and just whatnot. So it's just like p repentance, like the, the work aspect of that mm. thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think both Jerry and, and Caesar, I think you both are Greek scholars because you've hit the definition on its head about what these words mean. Like, and we go to scripture to see repentance and confession. So we'll put these up on the screen, I believe. Uh, so repent is metanoia. Can everybody say metanoia? Okay, let's try to again, metanoia on three. One, two, three. Metanoia. There we go. And confession is homologeo. Okay, well, wrap your homologeo on three. One, two, three. Homologeo. So a word on repentance or to repent. Metanoia. In Greek, literally it means to do this. You're facing one direction and you turn around the other direction. You mentioned 180, right? It's going in one direction, heading the other direction. Confession, homologeo, literally means to say the same word or the same word. It's an articulation of the reality that's presented in front of you. So by literal definition, metanoia is to turn away from the sin that you are engaged with or the sin of your life, to turn away from that 180 and then to confess or to say the reality of that wrongdoing, wickedness, whatever in your life. So it's turning from it and then recognizing that it is what it is. And not just saying, yeah, that's bad. It's saying, that's my mess. I'm responsible for that. Acknowledging it. Yes. That's on me. Yeah. Not justifying it. That's right. Not making excuses. Not putting it off. That's something I'll fix later. Mm -hmm. Just owning it. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's and right. owning your situation is, is challenging. Yeah. To say that that's my mess, right? You don't want to be like, yeah, I'm responsible for that one. Uh, and in the opening pages of the repentance chapter in particular, there were a couple of examples that we were talking about yesterday about Balaam and, and Judas and Esau. And they're, they're characters in scripture who recognized that wrong had been done, but they weren't necessarily willing to say like, yeah, that was my problem. That was my wrongdoing. Now, I know none of you in this room looking at your faces today have ever walked away from something and been like, that's not, that's not me. 
right? Like you definitely did it, but like, no, that's not me. Like, no, you're good, upstanding people, right? I hear some snickering in there. So you're kind of getting my sarcasm a little bit. So you mentioned those three people. And when I read that, Mm -hmm. I had a hard time trying to figure out why Sister White chose those three people, Mm -hmm. Judas Iscariot, Mm -hmm. Balaam, Mm -hmm. and Esau. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't have put together on the surface a more random pairing of people to exemplify as as sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seemed off. But as you got to thinking about it, specifically Esau, I've always thought of Esau as kind of the one slighted by Jacob. You know, mm-hmm. he tricks him, steals yes. his birthright. Yeah. But I think the challenge with Esau is Esau literally gave away flippantly his mm-hmm. birthright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had no value to him more than a pot of beans at that point. Yeah. And where I'm going with this is he did not feel the impact of that decision yeah. until he was already dealing with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, I messed up. Yes. Yeah. But at no point does Judas, Balaam, or Esau get to the point to the heart matter of the issue where the transgression, the separation, right. that's what's paining me. It right. was the consequences for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm frustrated because what I chose to do has been ultimately bad for me, not necessarily it was a bad thing to do in the beginning, right? So the next question that came to our mind as we're looking through this, and it's, it's kind of a, a classic question for Christianity in general, and we'll look around the room if anybody wants to take a stab at this. Zanji's ready to, to pass you with probably a better pass than Jarrett, uh, the, the little box here. Uh, what comes first? See, the first step is recognizing that it was bad. No, just kidding. <laughs> A little bit. The, the question is this, what comes first, repenting or following Christ? Do I need to do the turnaround and then follow Jesus? Or do I follow Jesus first and then do the turnaround? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? What are your thoughts? Okay, so I think that the repentance comes first. Well, actually, no, following comes first. Okay. Like accepting Jesus into your life. And then once, once he comes in, that's when the change starts happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's when uh, you can really um, like show others that like you know you're really starting to change and like follow Jesus. Then yeah. like and, and that you're different than how you were before. Yeah. You know? So following comes first. Jonathan, you have something you want to add? Uh, so he kind of took my answer, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper. I think. It's a good answer. Yeah, it's a great answer. It's a great answer, boss man. You got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, so my uh, for me, it is also following Christ. Because the reason I don't say repenting first, usually some more so like sometimes, uh, let's say people outside of our church, they do something that someone might tell them, hey, no, repent first, then come to church. But sometimes that's more of an outside appearance thing. Like, oh, they're outwardly appearing to, you know, repent. So, yes, they're allowed to come in. But sometimes, you know, with, like Danny said, when you follow Christ, it's more of an internal thing. Yeah. Like, you know, God changes you from the inside first. And then whatever happens on the inside will mm. then project out outward and then of course you're going to change your habits things you do how you talk this that whatever but usually it always starts with following christ first because you know he does say you know pick up your cross and walk you know he doesn't say hey walk to me and then like you know get your cross after you know you you take what you got fix that and then move forward from there that's right i love those answers i want to put a quote up on the screen it's from page 26 in the repentance chapter the bible does not teach that the sinner must repent before he can heed he or she can heed the invitation of christ how do we know this matthew chapter 11 verse 28 and you both hit it right on the head then jesus said come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest 
not repent, clean up, do all the things beforehand, and then think about coming to me. He says, please come to me. Everything you want to add? I do. I do. <clears throat> so Sister White in this chapter talks about a numbness that can occur. Mm. It scared me. Mm -hmm. She said, beware putting off the heedings and pleadings of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. She said, beware of that. Mm -hmm. And she said, you think you have time, mm -hmm. but you don't. Mm -hmm. Because we read the verses in the Bible and they lack sometimes just that context or someone to like say, hey, this is what this is what's really going on. Yeah. And she adds that to this. Mm -hmm. And it's like sin sometimes can almost we think of it as times as like you're walking along, there's this cliff, and you fall into a canyon, and now you're like, hey, I've said right. Yeah. But it appears that as she's discussing this, that often it's more like this slow walk down into a valley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she goes into detail by saying that. It's harder to get out of that than you think it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. So let's play on that, that topic a little bit. It's the concept of light and darkness. Uh, we can put that up on the screen. And I want to share some of those quotes that you were referencing. And then I think you've got an illustration about maybe changing some lights at your school that we need to talk about. So light and darkness. Here's what she says. Uh, page 29. One ray of the glory of God, one gleam of the purity of Christ penetrating the soul makes every spot of defilement painfully distinct and lays bare the deformity and defects of the human character. It makes apparent the unhallowed desires, the infidelity of the heart and the impurity of lips. Are you feeling better about yourself this morning? That was also supposed to be a joke. She continues on, thir on uh, page 33, every act of transgression, and this is what you're alluding to, every act of transgression, every neglect of rejection of the grace of Christ is reacting upon yourself. It is hardening the heart, depraving the will, benumbing the understanding, and not only making you less inclined to yield, but less capable of yielding to the tender pleading of God's Holy Spirit. Ouch. Yeah, it's when I read that paragraph, I was like, I don't know that I want to sit here and talk about this. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, we're all, we could all talk about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's some challenging stuff to read. Yeah. So we, it's summertime in school land. You're thinking about processes and um, budgets and um, instruction, but you're also thinking about a refresh of the building and you're thinking about lights. And um, so we changed out some lights. And in the budget and on the to-do list was not painting walls in those particular spaces. Right, you're just going to change the lights. Not gonna do change, nothing else. We're right? just going to change the lights. Yeah. It's going to work out great. Yeah. So we go from these kind of fluorescent, we're changing out some bulbs to yeah. some that are more efficient. Yeah, probably you, LED. You yeah. put these in yeah. and you turn on the lights. Uh-huh. This has happened to somebody. They're laughing. Someone's they laughing about this. <laughs> <laughs> you turn on the lights and suddenly you are fully aware of the the years of of children being in that room right yeah and yeah. there's this grime oh, there's like you don't even have to turn the black light on to see like how disgusting it is right? unspeakable <laughs> what happened in this room <laughs> and suddenly you're aware yeah and i think that that's what some of these verses are talking about with that first step mm -hmm. of not being afraid to get closer to the light because there's times that I'm like, I'm not willing to reach out because I haven't. I'm not in that right mental space yet. I'm not ready to make that commitment. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus says, hey, just come stand closer to the light. Yeah. Let me take the Holy Spirit to convict yes. you that there's a need. Yes. And by comparison of what your life could be like yeah. and where you're at now, yeah. we could maybe start closing that gap. Yeah. And it's all about being in the presence of Jesus. Notice Jesus says, follow me, right? He says, follow me. Then we'll work out the stuff. Uh, I want to put a quote up on, I think it's 26, the second 26.2, Ali, if you could help me, talking about the role of the spirit of Christ and uh, the role of Christ. It's back a couple of slides. There we go. We can no more repent without the spirit of Christ to awaken the conscience than we can be pardoned without Christ. Think about the significance of what this line is saying. It's kind of just nestled into that first chapter. She's saying that the level of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives to convict us and to awaken our conscience is at the same level of pardon that Jesus did in going on the cross for us. So think about this. In our church calendar around Christmas time and around Easter time, we remember and contemplate the work of Jesus in our lives. And it's an important work, no doubt. Jesus came to this earth as a little baby, grew and then died on a cross for pardon for our sins. At Easter, we celebrate, you know, empty tomb, all of those things. And that has been the basis in the grounds of Christianity. But if what she's saying is true, that to the same extent that the sacrifice of Christ is important for us to be pardoned, that the work of the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit to awaken our, our conscience is just as important. That we need both the spirit to awaken us to the pardoning that Christ has to offer. And we need the Christ to pardon so that we can be awakened to the spirit. I think I followed you there. I see what you're Is saying. That, are you smelling what I'm stepping I'm in? smelling what you're stepping in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continuing on. Um, here's here's a, a question uh, that I, I want to ask. And we kind of move to the, the second chapter. Uh, and I want to hear from, from, from y'all. Uh, what are the practical implications of confession. What are the practical implications? So we've been talking about repentance, right? About that turning around. What are the implications of confession? As we talked about saying the same word about declaring reality, what are those practical imp implications? What does confession look like? And this is the time where you raise your hand and we pass the little red box, which is a microphone to you. Anybody want to take a stab at it? So Angie's like, I don't want to be judged by any throws today. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I just feel funny holding this box. That's the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it looks humble. Okay. So there's an air of humility coming forward to say, that was wrong. What else? What are the other practical implications of confession? I have a teacher on stage with me and he's very comfortable with silence. I'm not as comfortable. I will practice but... my wait time for <laughs> as long as it takes. There's one over there. Okay. Um, not making excuses for what you've done, you know, being blatant about it. All right. Not making excuses, owning it, being like, yeah, I, I did it. Yep. Anybody else kind of add to the working definition of confession that we have? There's a hand I see over here, kind of in the back middle section. You know, raise, raise your hand real, real high if it's you. Yep. Here we go. I'm actually a little shy, but um, does it relieve yourself from guilt that you might have? Can you say that one more time? That relieves yourself from some guilt that you might have. Okay. So you're, you're releasing yourself from guilt by owning it, that guilt that you might feel being alleviated a little bit. Okay. Anybody else? Any other takers? Quiet bunch today. You're like, it's summer. Why are we in the classroom? Right here in the middle. Now I get the box. 
I was just going to say that when you confess, it makes you more genuine. Okay. And and maybe more relatable to the others around you because you've basically had to humble yourself to say, I'm sorry. Hmm. And I think your respect for that other person, at least in my book, goes way up. So I think there's a practical matter of relationships and relatability. Mm, I like that. It makes us more human, right? And it, and it brings the bar down of I'm not this almighty person that I have, I have foibles, hangups, and insecurities, and I'm willing to own them. Yeah. Is there another hand? Yeah, right back. Oh, oh, oh. oh I like this. We're, yes, we're, let's go. It took them a minute. <laughs> we're getting this. All right. So once we have confessed, there's now that obstacle or that barrier that we need to not continue to do that. Because it's easy to say, okay, I was wrong, but it's even harder not to continue to go back to doing that. Back behind you. I was hesitant to kind of speak up because I like hearing from the younger people, but then I saw some people in my age range. So I kind of <laughs> felt comfortable in joining in. There's always room for um, one more. <laughs> so, you know, I was just kind of whispering to my husband. There's, to me, you know, I've always been very comfortable with my prayer life and confessing to God. It's, to me, I found it very easy to my silence to be like, Lord, I this and this is my humanity and I know you you know you're a very forgiving God for me is the part where the levels of confession with my children nothing puts into perspective your humanity more than being a parent mm. and so it's that part where I've confessed to God right and I've made peace with that but then in that peace coming to my children and saying in your errors and in your mistakes and the things that you're doing this is where I've been mm -hmm. and kind of confessing to my kids, I've been here and this is what the process looks like. And I understand that maybe you're not ready to confess, but I'm here. Yeah. So it's kind of who I'm confessing to as yeah. well. Yeah. It's amazing how God parenting us affects the parenting that we have of our kids. And we must remind ourselves that we are kids too. There's a hand here, Sandy, and then Bonnie back over here. While she's walking that way, yeah. Joanna, that is so real. Our kids need to see us going through the struggle. They need to see and hear us confess one to another. And we have not reached any place of perfection. Not that, not that they already thought that anyway, but, <laughs> but to hear us vocalize that, Hey, I'm, I'm still working on this too. Yeah. I think that it, it gives them freedom to, to start working the process as well mm. to admit those things. So that's powerful. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback on what was already said about um, change that happens. So with confession, then that lends yourself the o being open to making amends. And I think sometimes that's a verbal apology. Sometimes mm. that's um, an asking for forgiveness. And sometimes that's just a living amends where you make a change in the way you're behaving towards someone or or um, and against God or whatever you're doing, you make a living change and you, and you live that every day. And, um, confession opens that opportunity. If you don't confess it, if you don't admit it, then you're not going to make a change because you haven't even acknowledged that it's a problem. That's right. That's right. Last one, Bonnie over here. Confession to me demonstrates the, a visual parameter that you have peeled back the layers, you are free. Your authentic self can now be seen because now you have nothing to hide. I am free. Praise God for freedom. That's right. 
spoken like a good chaplain, true chaplain. So we want to go to James chapter five, verse 16, and we'll unpack the, this concept of, uh, of how confession plays into our life. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What insight did you come across as we were talking about this, looking at this uh, verse what, what popped out to you about the, the process or the implications of confession? Well, for me, I saw a formula. Okay. I saw a formula. And I'm so glad that, that we got that on the screen. It, it seems to be talking about confess and acknowledge that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Pray. <laughs> pray like <laughs> none other. Yeah. And then accept the healing yeah. after that. Yeah. Yeah. And that last part may not be easy. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of feelings, there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of, can I do this? Mm-hmm. And we can try to take back God's role in the process. Yes. Because often I don't want to give that up. Right. I want to be general manager of the universe, right? That's God's role, not mine. <laughs> Never mind that I clearly could not handle this anyway. But somehow I want to take back God's side of this equation, Yeah. which yeah. is the forgiveness, mm-hmm. the restitution, yeah. the... And I'm like, let me, let me work on this again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not our side of that. Right. Yeah. To, to follow that illustration a little more, I have a, I have a coin in my pocket here. Uh, and we were, we were talking about the, the way to illustrate uh, uh, salvation. I have a silver dollar here. Uh, on If we were to think about salvation from two sides of a coin, right? There's the side of the coin that's God's work. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It is salvation given to us freely, right? And you flip the coin and on the other side of the coin is what we're talking about today. Repentance, confession, our part of the salvific process. The challenge with it is that we get our sides of the coin mixed up. That the part that's my responsibility to repent, to confess, to recognize that I've got the issue and say, yep, that's my issue and I'm going to turn away from it. We so quickly link our doing that as some type of merit to receive salvation from God. Salvation from God is freely given. Ellen White says this uh, in, let me see if I can pull it up, uh, uh, page 34, I think paragraph two. Al, if you have that, page 34, paragraph two. There we go. Christ is ready to set us free from sin. He's ready, but he does not force the will. And if by persistent transgression, the will itself is wholly bent on evil, and we do not desire to be set free, if we do not accept his grace, what more can he do? All we need to do is accept. And recognize that the part of salvation that is God's responsibility, that one side of the coin, is fully his. The part of the coin that's our responsibility is fully ours. But the only way that we can work on that side of the coin is but for the grace of God. And nothing we do on this side will equate to the other side. So back to that formula for a moment. Confess, pray, and heal. And then we have a place that we want to we wanna land this morning. Part of confession is being willing to accept that I have a problem, that I I am responsible for what has transpired. One of the ways that I've illustrated this, at least for myself recently, is that, you know, a couple months ago, ruptured Achilles, right? I'm laying on a basketball court and being the logistics thinker that I am, I'm already not thinking just about that evening and what I need to do to care for, for my ankle that is now injured, but also all of the other implications because it's a Thursday night and I'm supposed to be preaching right here, right? The first thing that I had to do to be able to work out all the other problems is recognize that my Achilles was injured. And some of you are like, well, duh, but it's so profound in our lives. We go around living our lives as if nothing is wrong. 
that is, I don't have anything to work on, that I, I, God's got me covered, everything's just, no, I am not walking off of this court tonight without some assistance from my friends. And the only way that I receive that assistance is to name and say, there is something wrong with my foot and I need some help getting off the court. That is what confession is. It's saying, I've got some problems. Maybe I've done something wrong to you. Maybe I've done something wrong to God. And standing up, <laughs> standing up, pardon the pun, it's Father's Day tomorrow. Some of y'all will catch that tonight and be like, ah, that's what he was saying. Standing up saying, I'm going to say the quiet thing out loud, that this is what is underscoring my life and the, the issues and the challenges that I have and own it and say, that's my stuff. We can't leave here without giving out a little homework. That's right. <laughs> you wouldn't be a good teacher. Can't if, do uh, it. Can't do it. Yeah. And it's not difficult. I want you to pick a time this afternoon that you know that you're going to have a moment of quiet space. I want you to be thinking about what is the first step that you can make towards reuniting with Christ. Hmm. Think of a time. I'll wait. And it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Because as I was reading this, Michael, like there are so many things that we do that we get busy with. Mm -hmm. Like busyness at times can be a sin. Mm -hmm. Or we don't leave quiet space for that Holy Spirit, which is the first step in that process. Is he's going to come and tell you That's that, right. hey, you might want to come back to the light. Yeah. But if you don't leave space and time right. for that, that's right. then that first step in that process can initiate. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's the lowest of the low in our lives that gives us that space. Remember the prodigal son? He's eating pig food. He, he, his dad is obviously wealthy, takes all of it, squanders it, gets to the point where he's looking at pig food and being like, that actually looks pretty tasty. And it's in that space and time where he recognizes, I've gotten off track. And what does he do? He says, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to confess that I was wrong to him. And the servants in my father's house eat better than these pigs do. So I'm just going to ask if maybe, just maybe I can be a servant in his household. And you know the story. He starts back towards home and the father's sitting out on his front porch. I imagine him being a cattle rancher in Texas, got one of those wraparound porches that if you're sitting down, you can see for 50 miles. If you stand up, you can see for a hundred. You know what I'm talking about, right? Out west of here. And the father spends every day, whether he's on the tractor, on a horse, he's looking in the direction that his son went, waiting for his son to come home. And the moment that he appears on the horizon, the father takes off running towards his son. Reason why? Son gets back into the city. The elders are ready with rocks because the son has committed such a, a travesty against his father that it would merit punishment by the elders because he declared his father was dead. The reason the father is running and so he can take his coat off, wrap his coat around his son and say, you are mine. And the son's ready. The son's ready to give his speech, right? And imagine it just gets him up. And the father's just got his arms wrapped around him and says, my son, you're home. Here's the robe. Here's he's the had, sandals. He's had time to rehearse that speech. That's right. It's been a long walk. That's right. He's had time. Yeah. Dad, Dad doesn't even let him give the speech. Doesn't even let him The do confession it. was in here. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be here at that moment. Because mm. Dad had already accepted his confession. That's he right. said, you come home. Yes. And I got you. Arms open wide. Here's how Ellen White finishes the chapter on confession. Page 41, the, the last paragraph. 
The humble and broken heart, subdued by genuine repentance, will appreciate something of the love of God and the cost of Calvary. As a son confesses to a loving father, so will the truly penitent bring all their sins before God. I got nowhere else to go. Maybe dad will accept me back as a servant. And dad says, welcome back to the family, my son, my daughter. So here's what we'd like to do. Uh, we'd like to have a shared reading together from uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which is kind of the, just the, the premise for this entire chapter that Ellen White wrote. Um, so let's read it together and then we'll have some announcements. And, and I, do, I do wanna pause in like what Jared asked a moment ago. If you've got something between you and God, you and a neighbor, spend some time this afternoon and think, ponder, how are you going to approach it? Let's say this verse together. We'll read it off the screens. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness.